God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right, my name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, yesterday was, you know, another set of developments, and it was kind of interesting uh, because everybody expected that Biden was going to at least take questions or have a comment about Afghanistan, and of course he didn't. Um, He did give an interview with George Stephanopoulos to talk about basically the situation and basically took no blame, said it was inevitable. Meanwhile, when he says it's inevitable, it was inevitable that there was no other alternative but to have conflict. He was lying because his own Joint Chiefs of Staff and his military staff, generals, basically said they didn't see it coming. Milley said he didn't see it coming. While the Taliban was strategically planning this early uprising prior to September 11th, 2021, 20-year anniversary of the 9-11 attack, they, they pulled it fast one. You know, the Taliban went in early. And what they did was when they went in early, they caught us blindsided. And by doing that, the Taliban ran off with billions of dollars in cash. They've run off with all kinds of assets, billions of dollars in assets. Do you know uh, the Humvee, up-armored Humvees, cost 250 grand a piece? They got hundreds of them. They got 11 bases. So why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't the Taliban do what they did? If it's in their best interest, wouldn't you, as an adversary of the Taliban, think ahead, think about it, and have a strategic plan for it? You know, as Trump clearly said, the way you do an evacuation or an exit is you fortify the military and protect the perimeter. 
you get everybody in a pipeline out of there. Basically, you get everybody from the embassy, the ambassador. You know, you take down the uh, State Department Black Lives Matter flag, and then you take down their rainbow flag, and then you take down the American flag, and you decide to, or you keep the embassy. That would be even better. But without the Marxist group, Black Lives Matter, and the and the gay group, LBGTQ, rainbow flag. What the heck are you recruiting here? And while the Taliban was strategically planning their to attack, their coup, you got Mark Milley, General Milley, up there basically saying, I care about, you know, the insurrection. I care about, you know, white privilege and all these things. It turns out he actually went to the same high school at the same time as that tranny that was the health um, director over in uh, in PA that's now part of our health administration. The um, and it's just it's shocking. But while Mark Milley was talking about the J six infiltration insurrection what he calls an insurrection, an attack on our Constitution. Of course, it's none of that. You want to, He wasn't planning for a real insurrection, but he was planning on trying to gaslight Americans into thinking that Orange Man was bad and Patriots are bad and Republicans are bad, all because he wants to have a good pension and keep his job. Mark Milley will say and do anything to keep his job. But what he said, there was no way for me to know, no way in in the world for me to know what was going on. We couldn't have expected that they were going to fold in 11 days. Well, yeah, they could have. You know why I know that? Because in Iraq, with ISIS, they did the same thing. And I said then, and I'll say it again, it's by design. So, the idea is is that we spent billions of dollars on the, on the Iraqi military. And we were going to have them push out ISIS. And it turned out that it was after Benghazi. So, Benghazi... We overthrow Gaddafi in Libya, in Tripoli. We set up a staging ground to gather up all of Gaddafi's assets, all of his military equipment. And we put it in a schoolhouse in Benghazi. And I only know because Chris Tanta Peranto told me about this. And he said it was weird because they had to patrol and they had to keep safe the schoolhouse. And it was the only time they actually were not allowed within the perimeter. So the, the school building that they were there to save, they saved it from other terrorists that wanted the booty. And he wasn't allowed to go in and inspect the, the, the inventory because it was classified. Chris Stevens 
wasn't even supposed to be there. He was a ghost. And that's why they didn't send any help in, because the mission was not even supposed to be there. Why? Because the Benghazi mission was all about was all about financing terrorist groups, whether it's Al-Qaeda or ISIS. But they were taking all of Gaddafi's stuff. They didn't need the, the, the Congress. They didn't need taxpayers. They were just going to murder a leader, Gaddafi, take all of his stuff, put it on a ship outside of Benghazi, and take it right over to Syria. But when that went south, when that went south, what happened was the next thing we did was we were going to take down ISIS. And the way we did that was we armed to the teeth the Iraqi military. And I remember Jack Keane and other generals saying, I really was surprised at how quickly the Iraqi military folded. I think it was within 11 days. They folded overnight. They left all of our Humvees and all of our equipment and all of our weapons on the battlefield. And who do you think picked it up? ISIS. That was the way we distributed the weapons to ISIS. They then drove themselves back in our Humvees paid for by the middle class taxpayer to Raqqa, Syria and said to al-Baghdadi, the guy we let out of Camp Buka in 2010 to run the show just like we did with the Taliban the Taliban 5 and and these Taliban leaders the United States CIA State Department all had a hand in that leadership freeing them up releasing them trading them for Bo Bergdahl well we did the same thing with al-Baghdadi you see, there's a similarity. Remember, there was a similarity between Watergate and the Russian hoax, too. And Hillary Clinton was there for both. These are old playbooks that are being dusted off and reinvented. And we need to wake up and see it. I think I'm probably the only person that actually makes note of that. I don't know anybody else that's doing it but me. I see it so clearly. So this thing that happened in Iraq, it's historical. I mean, you could look it up. How the Iraqi military folded and folded like a cheap suit. And I said, aha. I said it right at the time. I said, that's how they distributed those weapons to ISIS. Meanwhile, they were calling ISIS ISIL. Remember that? We talked about that. But the idea was, we're doing the same thing here. We actually fortify, now Taliban can defend their country. But because, now here's the, here's the kicker. This is something you else that you're not going to hear anywhere. But this is the kicker. So we decided, I, th- I believe this is the, the, the my theory, this is, this is the theory. I believe that Afghanistan was never going to be whole. I believe that the Taliban and the Afghani government were always going to be at odds with each other. So I think that 
you know, all these brain trusts and Brookings and Atlantic Council and the Jake Sullivan's and the Fiona Hills and all these pseudo intellects, these Georgetown and George Washington University graduates, all these Ivy Leaguers, these people that think they're smarter than you, that think that they know best. They're sort of like the scientists of foreign policy. You couldn't possibly measure up to their intelligence. Trust the scientists, they say. Well, where has that gotten us? Trusting the scientists when it comes to COVID was a crap show. And trusting the scientists when it came to climate change was another crap show. Well, now they want us to trust the foreign policy scientists. It's the same thing, just different faces, different categories. And they get around, they say, well, what's the definition of insanity? They, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. I think Einstein came up with that. So they're pseudo-intellectuals, and they're basically academics that have never run a business or shot a gun, probably. And in any case, they're there and they're saying, what can we do that's different? Well, because, because Afghanistan is like a oil and water kettle, kettle uh, you know, explosive, we're never going to change the outcome. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to do it another way, maybe a, a globalist way. And what we're going to do is try to smooth things over. So what we're going to do is resettle the Afghans, Afghanis. We're going to resettle them. And we're going to leave this country, this dirtbag of a country, to Taliban. And Russia and China will oversee the Taliban, work arm-in-arm with the Taliban. But they got all those precious metals. They got the metals that make batteries and planes. And we're going to cede that to China. And Russia. And that seems to be the plan because there is new information that came out that basically indicated that there was something going on rotten in Denmark with respect to with respect to uh, some some uh, programs that were defunded. And so what well, uh, Rahim Kassam came out with a explosive new article yesterday. <clears throat> and here he is to talk about it. Let's take a listen to Rahim Kassam. Some news with us right now. What do you got? That's right, Eric. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. Um, it, it means a lot, certainly, I think, um, to, to me. I care immensely about this issue, and I think it'll mean a lot to people around the world as well, especially the Americans who are currently stuck in Afghanistan. Uh, the National Pulse, we are reporting this afternoon that Joe Biden's State Department actively quashed a program that was started under President Donald J. Trump 
that was meant to enable the U.S. government to extract people swiftly and safely from crisis zones around the world, including places like Afghanistan. This program was started. It's called the CCR. It stands for Contingency and Crisis Response. It was started in October of last year with a very, very specific purpose of helping extract Americans from crisis zones. That includes ordinary citizens and it includes diplomats, includes members of the U.S. uh, government in, in many different shapes and forms. The Biden administration began to squash this plan in February. We have published documentation that proves it this afternoon. It's up on the nationalpulse.com. It was finalized on June the 11th of this year that they were pausing this program just months before the Taliban retook Afghanistan and Kabul. So that to me sounds like a plan, right? A strategy. So I think that what happened was, just like the Democrats love this social engineering, right? These man-made viruses and these man-made pandemics and these man-made climate change crises. This is a man-made social engineering. This is a man-made redistribution of population, a resettlement program. And I think it's by design. I think that the whole conflict in Syria, as I've been saying for you know weeks, months, and years, The reason why Lindsey Graham loved it so much is he was getting money on the black market for these clandestine operations. The reason why you can exploit these things is because if you know the truth, the truth is never to come out. You're supposed to act like it's, you know, in the name of humanity, you're going to go into Syria and protect the Syrians from this big bad Assad and Russia is, is complicit. Well, Russia is never going to let Syria go. And the Assad kingdom, you know, uh, they're, they're running their country, right? But we're going to meddle in it. We're going to embolden ISIS. We're going to take overthrow Libya. We're going to engineer this whole thing. This was an Obama plan with the Syria, Gaddafi, Libya thing. Benghazi. Running weapons to terrorists. This was all part of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, plan. And it was all, all of these plans were not to help Israel. To call ISIS ISIL is to disrespect Israel. In Levant means it's a, it does not recognize, it's a region of property that doesn't recognize Israel. But think about what they did. They overthrew um Obama threw, put up his first speech, foreign policy speech in Cairo. Trump puts his foreign, first foreign policy speech in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. A whole different 180. But the first speech in Cairo for Obama, his first speech abroad, he apologizes for America. Cairo was the Muslim Brotherhood headquarters worldwide. They overthrow Mubarak. And they install Morsi. And then Morsi gets overthrown because he's a tyrant that uh, Obama supported. And Obama's best buddy, Erdogan, from Turkey, also supported. And together they destabilized Egypt so much that it really created a security issue with respect to Israel. And that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to destabilize Syria to the north empower Lebanon, destabilize 
Egypt to the south. They could not destabilize Jordan, although they tried. And Iraq was also being destabilized to the east. And so this really created a vulnerable situation for Israel. Because Obama hates Israel. Now, why am I talking about something that's 10 years old? Because it's related. The way we armed ISIS is exactly the same way we're arming the Taliban. And the Taliban is now in charge. So what we're going to do is we're going to basically give the country, the dirtbag country of Afghanistan, to the Taliban. Now, they, they are a radical Islamic state. And that's why they named it the Islamic Emirates uh, of Afghanistan. It's going to be IEA. And that is, that is actually significant in the way they name that. And it's intolerant to Christians. It's intolerant to Jews. It's intolerant to... It's another breeding ground and a very radical Islamic terrorist-oriented... Or um, existence there. So what they what they decided to do, Biden reversed the program you just heard about, and they would have helped our situation today, because they had a change of plan. They decided to turn Afghanistan into Syria, and offer up a resettlement program. And the reason why I know that is how coordinated and how swift. How coordinated and how swiftly Boris Johnson came to the aid of Biden when it came to resettlement. And so are the other countries in our NATO alliance, like France and Germany. And again, these are the people that benefit from these things. They benefit all the time from the resettlement. I said this, hey, Afghan President Ghani fled to Uzbekistan. We have allies in the area who can take every Afghan migrant, Turkey, Pakistan, India, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Egypt, Israel. All our allies we spend lots of money defending. It's time to stop dumping unvetted people here in America, in Wisconsin. It's time we stop doing that. You could go straight to the north of Kabul. A short bus ride, you can get to Uzbekistan, set up a, you know how they have a little Havana in Miami? Set up a little Kabul in Uzbekistan. Or set it up somewhere in Pakistan. Or set it up somewhere in Iraq. It's not like they don't, you know, they lost a lot of refugees, right? Set it up in in Syria, for the crying out loud. But, Keep it in region where they all speak pretty much the same language. And in addition to that, when the dust settles and things change, they could always go back to their homeland. Wouldn't that make sense? Certainly would. So I wrote this. I said, globalists have created conflicts to import refugees for decades. Fighting age males can work a dishwasher, farm the land, or drive your Uber for longer hours at lower wages. The bonus is 
Who will be left to defend their homeland's precious metals used to make planes and batteries, things that support France with the A320, you know, the Airbuses, or things that support China with their battery manufacturing, right? So why not get rid of the fighting age males, put in some alliances with the Taliban, confiscate all their precious minerals and resources. See, I mean, Obama was always against colonialism, but, you know, he's sort of running the show with Susan Rice and and Jake Sullivan in the foreign policy arena sphere of the Biden administration. They won't even let Biden take a question. He's not allowed to take a question. You better believe that George Stephanopoulos all of his questions were pre-rehearsed. George Stephanopoulos' questions were pre-rehearsed. But they didn't dare allow him to take a question from the pool when he was mandating, basically saying he's going to fight tooth and nail against states that are actually banning the mandates of masks and vaccines. Like that was a priority. He somehow felt, felt the need to do that. I want to read that again because it was a response to uh, Trump Blonde. And Trump's Blonde wrote, These are Afghan refugees coming to America by the thousands, all young, strong men of fighting age, and more than likely practicing Sharia law. The current Afghanistan situation isn't a Biden screw-up. It's the Biden plan in full force. Now, that's a patriot that sees it one way. They see these fighting age males coming to America to wage a caliphate or push Sharia law in Minneapolis or Ilhan Omar's district or what have you. And that's one way to think about it. But I think that's a linear way to think about it. I think that there's another way. And that is, it's not about moving fighting age males into your country so that they can become terrorists and wage war against your country. I don't think that's that that's not the reality of what happened post Syria. What happened post Syria is they all became Uber and Lyft drivers. And what you have to pay attention to are the board members of the Lyft and Uber companies that hire all these illegal migrants and refugees. And there's people like Valerie Jarrett that are on the board of Lift, just like they decided to put Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma to protect Burisma from the illegal shenanigans that were going on in Ukraine that Trump was trying to get to the bottom of with Fiona Hill and Marie Ivanovich and George Kent and Alexander Vindman and Eric Ciaramella and Mark Carpenter, Mike Carpenter and Joe Biden and his son Hunter and Mitt Romney's uh, right-hand aide, Kofor Black. All of those players were involved with that deal. And you better believe that's why they wanted to impeach Trump over a perfect call with the Ukrainian president when he mentioned CrowdStrike and he mentioned some other stuff. It's all connected, folks. But again, when I say globalists have created conflicts to import refugees for decades, it's not about the fighting age males being a caliphate. 
I say fight, fighting age males can work a dishwasher, farm the land, or drive your Uber for longer hours at lower wages. And the bonus is who will be left to defend their homeland's precious metals used to make planes and batteries, their precious resources. And that's the question that you need to ask yourself. And that's sure enough. Shane writes, I don't want to hear another damn word from the government about gun control. Nothing about AR-15s, high-capacity mags, pistol braces, ammo, etc. The government just gave the Taliban helicopters, Humvees, MRAPs, drones, fully auto weapons, and ammo, all without background checks. So, you know, now I don't want to hear a damn thing about vaccines and coat masks when none of the refugees seem to be wearing masks. The women do. The, the men don't. And in addition to that, the people coming across the border aren't wearing masks. They're not being tested. They're coming across with all kinds of diseases. And somehow we're to worry about, you know, what DeSantis is doing. Of course, that's absolutely insane. You know, and the rhetoric is cheap. When Nancy Pelosi comes out and says, we need to protect our girls and women over in, you know, over in Afghanistan. Well, they're the ones that created this. They're the ones that disassembled that strategic plan to allow us to get people out of there, out of country safely. Why in the world will we have not listened to Donald Trump when he had all the answers? So I want to take a listen to Donald Trump and what he has to say on this subject. And we're going to take a listen now. Mr. President, we don't know how many Americans are trapped behind enemy lines. We know that the Taliban have set up a perimeter around the airport. Um, I guess the question is, how do we get our people home now? What would you advise? What would you do if you were put into this situation right now and dropped in and you were to take over? What is the answer? Because we don't know where they are. Senator Tom Cotton literally said that people are being told to go to a website. Don't call anymore. Go to a website, he said. I, I'm like, pl please tell me we have a better plan than that. Joe's been on vacation. I just heard that apparently he landed back at, at the White House. Nice of him to return. And he only returned because he was getting terrible press, okay? He didn't return for any other reason. And I don't even believe he's calling the shots. Look, what you need more than anything is a, is a president that's respected. You need a president that got rid of ISIS. We got 100% got rid of ISIS. We did a job. Uh, Al-Baghdadi, I won't even mention all of the things that we did. Nobody's ever done what we've done. We were respected all over the world. China was paying us billions and billions of dollars of tariffs. Companies were moving back into our country. And China respected us. And frankly, they respected me. But you look, Russia, I had the pipeline stopped, totally stopped. Biden comes in, he approves that pipeline, but he disapproves the Keystone XL pipeline. You need a president that's respected. I've never realized how important, frankly, and it's a horrible thing to say, 
how important a president, the head of this country is. I thought it would maybe run through bureaucracy. It doesn't. You need somebody up there that they're going to respect. So when they say, oh, he talked to the Taliban, you remember they were criticizing me. They criticized me when I talked to Kim Jong-un. Well, President Biden told me it's the single biggest problem we have. I said, have you ever called him? Have you ever talked to him? No, I haven't. He did try, but he was not, it was not receptive on the other side. But it was receptive with me, with me. Now, we were supposed to have a war and probably a very big nuclear war. I get along with him great, and I got along with him great. He doesn't like Biden much, I'll tell you that. But I got along with him great, and we had no problems. You remember that. It was, we were virtually, was remember the big button versus the little button and the whole thing. Let me just, we get along great. We had a very good relationship. We met. We got no credit for that one. No problem. By the way, South Korea, I got them to pay billions of dollars, billions. We're protecting South Korea. They're very wealthy. They built the ships. They build the televisions. They build, they do everything. They're very rich. They were paying us nothing. I got them to pay billions and billions of dollars because we're protecting them from North Korea. And I had a very good relationship with President Moon and all of the people in South Korea. In fact, they, they liked me and I liked them. But I said, why are we doing this for nothing? Japan, the same thing. So many, we're protecting the world. We can't do this. It's not, we're not supposed to be doing this. If you look at Russia, if you look at China, how many countries are they fighting for? One. You ask them. They're fighting for Russia. They're fighting for China. They're not fighting for 93 different countries all over the world. Most of them, no, never, I mean, nobody ever heard of them. So we had a very, very strong conversation with the mullah. And frankly, it, it absolutely, you know, they would not have done what they've done right now. This is the greatest embarrassment and beyond embarrassment. This is something that it will affect our relationships for years to come and decades to come. I will say when China watches this, they're so happy and they're laughing at us. They're laughing. I extracted billions and billions of dollars out of China. Never happened. We never got 10 cents from China. Billions and billions. They were so happy to see a rigged election. They might have helped it along, actually. But they were so happy. But, Sean, I'll tell you what. This is the greatest embarrassment that I've ever seen. This is, and you know it better than you do, an incredible job in covering it. And I appreciate it. The whole country appreciates it. This is the greatest embarrassment in the history of our country. There's never been. And let me tell you, we haven't stopped. This is not ending. Again, we have all of those thousands of Americans over there and others. And you're saying, how are they going to get? They have a Taliban ring around the airport. They you know, said nobody else. Now, they're saying we'll negotiate. But I really, do you really think? I mean, their history is that they're very brutal and they don't like to negotiate. That's their history. And Biden put us in this position. He should have gotten the civilians out first. Then he should have taken the military equipment. We have billions of dollars of brand new, beautiful equipment. Take the equipment out and then take the soldiers out. And frankly, I said, take the soldiers out. But before you leave, blow up all the forts because we built these forts that are being now used by the enemy. It's they not even everything. believable. There it is. And uh, things I wouldn't tell you, we're, we're going to play a little bit more of this. We have a military. It's holding it. You know, I got to reduce down to 2,500 
soldiers and they were doing a good job. It was fine. It was a smaller force. I took it down from close to 20 to 2,500 and we were fine. But we have the military there and we take the military out before we took our civilians out and before we took the interpreters and other we want to try and help. But by the way, I'm America first. Okay, the Americans come out first, but we're also going to help people that helped us. And we have to be very careful with the vetting because you have some rough people in there, but we're going to help those people. But can you imagine now what we were going to do just very quickly is we were going to take the military out last. Okay, last. The people were coming out. They were going to come out. But the agreement was violated. So I held things back because we weren't going to do anything. Again, conditions based. So they weren't fulfilling their obligations and conditions. But here's just to finish. The people come out first. Then I was going to take all of the military equipment. We have billions and billions of dollars worth of new Black Hawk helicopters, brand new, that Russia now will be examining. And so will China and so will everybody else to figure because it's the greatest in the world. We have brand new army tanks and all sorts of equipment, missiles. We have everything. I was going to take it out because I knew they weren't going to fight. Just one thing, and I have to say, and this is different from everyone else, I said, why are they fighting? Why are these Afghan soldiers fighting against the Taliban? And I was told some very bad information by a lot of different people. The fact is, they're among the highest paid soldiers in the world. They were doing it for a paycheck because once we stopped, once we left, they stopped fighting. So all of the people that talk about the bravery and everything, I say everybody's brave. But the fact is, Our country was paying the Afghan soldiers a fortune. So we were sort of bribing them to fight. And that's not what it's all about. It's a great thing that we're getting out. But nobody has ever handled a withdrawal worse than Joe Biden. This is the greatest embarrassment, I believe, in the history of our country. Yeah, that last part is, uh, I think, noteworthy. The reason why they stopped fighting is they they stopped getting paid to fight and now we're going to take them into our country they stand for nothing and we're going to put them in wisconsin so they can vote for a stupid liberal democrat it's it's unbelievable that we have a you know somebody in here that thinks that they could and i don't think it's like i said this level of stupidity is not by accident it's intentional listen to what uh, this is a can, this is a Trump Trump for president. Uh, he he can't announce it because of uh, legal legal issues in terms of when you make your declaration to run again. Uh, you're then bound by a certain thing, so he can't really officially announce. But this was a uh, Trump uh, Trump Trump uh, fundraising uh, video, but it's pretty good. This is July. July 8th, July 8th, 2021. This is uh, July 8th. This is what Biden said. See any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... With- None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. 
helicopters and black smoke visible. American diplomats, including the ambassador, evacuated to the airport. At least 500 staff leaving the country so far. The embassy shuttered, the flag coming down. The evacuation of Americans is continuing tonight, but it has been interrupted by sporadic gunfire, the embassy telling Americans to shelter in place. And, of course, it shows the uh, people falling from the planes. It turns out that the kid, uh, the people falling from the planes, they were children. Unbelievable. Listen to what Joe Biden had to say with George Stephanopoulos. Let's take a listen. We have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that so let's take a listen to this clip. A government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country. When you saw the significant collapse of the, of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off, that was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you- well, it was actually two days ago. That's the wrong response to that question. They were children, and if it was planned properly, that would have never happened. And in addition to that, in addition to that, you just heard President Trump talking about how to evacuate successfully. We just heard Rahim Kassam say that, uh, that they reversed a policy that would have been helpful for them. And it just goes on and on and on. It's absolutely um, mind-boggling, except for the fact that it's got to be intentional. You got these people that are involved with our foreign policy, like, uh, oh, here's another uh, clip of Joe Biden. This one says, oh, no, 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 this is, no, 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 this was, this was about the uh, COVID. Wendy Sherman, Wendy Sherman and uh, also Defense Secretary Austin, we're going to play these two clips because they're, they're actually very telling. Wendy Sherman is complaining about the Taliban's not not doing what they they, they uh, said they would do. They lied. The Taliban lied. She's the one that negotiated the nuclear deal with North Korea back in the Clinton days. She's also the one that negotiated the nuclear deal with Iran. Wendy Sherman is an academic professor kind of person. She's got to be one of the dumbest people on the planet. Wendy Sherman... Levels of stupidity, I said, is never by mistake. It's always intentional. She's a globalist. We are since working the day with our long. allies and partners Here to move is. them to third countries while their paperwork is completed. We are also urgently accelerating our efforts to assist eligible Afghans under the Priority One and Priority Two, P One and P Two. See, they create these crises so that then they have to deal with all this other paperwork and crap. On our own. 
with our allies and partners and with NGOs to identify and assist other Afghans at risk. Bill Gates is a big fan of NGOs. Rights defenders, journalists, and other civil society actors. We have seen reports that the Taliban, contrary to their public statements and their commitments to our government, are blocking Afghans who wish to leave the country from reaching the airport. Our team in Doha and our military partners on the ground in Kabul are engaging directly with the Taliban to make clear that we expect them to allow all American citizens, all third country nationals, and all Afghans who... Right. Good luck with that. So the Taliban betrayed you. You're just figuring this out, right? Here's Austin basically saying, get out while you can. We are not going to be... We have a window. We have a time window. Let's listen. Get everyone uh, that we can possibly uh, evacuate, evacuated. And I'll do that as long as we possibly can until the clock runs out or we run out of capability. So until the clock runs out or we run out of capability is not what you want to hear from your the most powerful military in the world. Why in the world are we listening to these people? It's incredible. Meanwhile, chaos. People are getting shot in the streets. You know, the program that was uh, annexed was this thing called the Contingency and Crisis Response Bureau which was designed to handle medical, diplomatic, and logistical support concerning Americans overseas, and it was paused by Blinken State Department earlier this year. Notification was officially signed just months before the Taliban's takeover. So Blinken was the one that covered up the anonymous donations to the Biden Center over at Penn University, where Biden made out with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash. And what does he do in return? He names Amy Gutman, the president of the Penn University, as the German ambassador. You see the cronyism? This is, this is what we're up against. This is the kind of thing that we are dealing with. And one of the things we need to focus on right now is still the AZ audit, all the other audits, all the election fraud. We need to get on top of it because we can't afford not to. The FBI is not on our side. The FBI knew of Hunter's missing laptop by December 2019. The FBI was gaslighting Americans with that NASCAR noose in the garage thing. Uh, Bubba Walla, Bubba, um, I forget the guy's name. But um, in any case, he was one of the black uh, NASCAR drivers. Uh, they got involved with uh, Chicago politics with regard to Jesse Smollett, and they squashed that. But they've gotten involved, they were involved with Las Vegas and that shooting. And of course, they were involved with J6. So we're going to play a clip from Kelly Ward here in a second, um, but I want to get to a couple of um, a couple of uh, tweets. Um, it says Claudia Tenney, ten thousand plus Americans are stranded in Afghanistan, and Biden gave his speech about booster shots and children wearing masks. He didn't mention Afghanistan once. He didn't take one question. We have no president. Benny Johnson writes: Republicans better grow a pair, right? 
effing now, or we will find our uh, others to fight, uh, other fighters to represent our movement. Charlie Kirk writes, we're 24 days out of the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the Secretary of Defense just conceded to the world that we don't have the cap- capability to protect American citizens. This is an inexcusable threat to U.S. national security at the hands of the men sworn to defend us. Matt Woodlock writes, Biden is tougher on vaccine-hesitant Americans than he is on the Taliban. Adam Housley writes, A friend makes a good point to me. Why is Milley saying we had no idea this would happen and Biden saying this was inevitable? Emerald Robinson writes, The reason that the corporate media liberals are melting down over Biden's botched withdrawal is because they told everybody that Trump was a dangerous idiot and that Biden was competent. So now they're worried that even the other liberals will see who the dangerous idiots really are. Charlie Kirk writes, Why aren't Republican senators taking a stand for active military uh, who are being forced against their will to take an experimental vaccine? Disclosed TV writes, Justin Biden's State Department moved to cancel a State Department program aimed at providing swift and safe evacuations of Americans out of crisis zones just months prior to the fall of Kabul, according to a new report, which makes me think this was intentional. Julie Kelly writes, anyone seen Mitch McConnell? Now, lately, uh, since she wrote that, he's made some appearances, but Disclosed TV writes, Justin, U.S. health officials are now calling Americans fully vaccinated with Pfizer or Moderna to receive a third booster dose against COVID. I love what Trump said about that. He said the vaccines were fine. He said, but the boosters are all about profiteering. And I said this. I wrote a uh, piece to that. And basically, I said it's a redistribution of wealth scheme. That's what's going on there. With regard to the booster shots... That's redistribution of wealth. And that's what that's what's that is what is the scary part is we are dealing with that. Um Yeah, well I don't have that clip uh that that sound bite but or that write up. But um I'll get it in just a second. Meanwhile I wanna listen I want you to listen to Kelly Ward and an update on the AZ audit. Let's take a listen. For the daily update from the Republican Party of Arizona, I am your chairwoman, Dr. Kelly Ward. I know that all of you are chomping at the bit, waiting for the report on America's audit to be made public. Well, guess what? So am I. Earlier this week, Senate President Karen Fan said that the team conducting the full forensic audit of the 2020 Maricopa County election is, is finalizing their report. The auditors are going to present that report to the Arizona State Senate, and the Arizona State Senate is going to review the report for accuracy and clarity. Now, once that process is complete, the final report will be released to the public. One of the things that people need to understand and remember is that this entire process is still being drug out by the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and their attorneys. 
The supervisors, they've known for a very long time, these same supervisors, that their problems with Maricopa County, particularly with Adrian Fontes, who is a left-wing Democrat who happened to be the county recorder. Now, his cronies at the Maricopa County Elections Department didn't help either, and the 2018 election was a disaster. So these supervisors appointed different people to oversee Fontes in 2020. But even those people didn't clean things up. In fact, they, along with the Board of Supervisors, empowered Dominion, a company that's currently owned by Staple Street Capital, headquartered in Toronto, Canada, and Denver, Colorado. And they've empowered D Dominion to control every digital aspect of the Maricopa County election without a thought as to how they were going to do their jobs before certifying elections so that they could audit the job that Dominion did. Now, the supervisors claim they don't have the passwords, they don't have the tokens, they don't have what they need to get those audits done. And so far, Dominion refuses to comply with a lawful Senate subpoena. We are sinking towards lawlessness here, folks. Who is going to be the next? So she goes on to say that it's a matter of short time. I predicted September. Um, I want to get to a couple of tweets that I wrote um, that I want to share with you. I said, didn't Obama fly off to Vegas for a fundraiser unreachable for a period of time when Benghazi went down on September 11, 2012? Who was vice president then? Biden. Fast forward to September 11, 2021, Biden's scheduled date taxed at Afghanistan. Obama's boy Jake Sullivan and Susan Rice are still in charge. We know how Susan Rice lied. So the new evidence of something really wrong with Biden's Camp David photos has come out, and there's a lot of discouraging things to see there. Um, also, uh, I wrote this. When it says President Trump on the booster vac shots today, when these first came out, they were good for life. Now they are only good for a year or two. So basically, I said, this is a redistribution of wealth scheme, these vax, uh, booster vaxes. This is a redistribution of wealth scheme. From the middle class to the ruling class, how many politicians' mutual funds are loaded with big pharma stocks? Fauci protected Big Pharma when he blocked out of patent therapeutics like HCQ and ivermectin, which would have resulted in herd immunity. Um, and also, uh, let's see. Well, I guess that's the... I had another one that I wanted to share with you, but uh, I'll share it tomorrow. We're out of... Uh, we're actually out of time. Um, but I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, in any case, it's frustrating sometimes when I can't find the actual dialogue that I want to get to. Um, but in any case, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show. We're at the tail end of our show today. Be sure to check out magapack.org and buclecall.org uh, to see what we're doing with America First policies. Uh, America First to make America great again. Um, also, check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast of this show. All right, and that's it. I want to see you tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. 
I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there 